Hey legends and welcome to season 3, episode 3 of The Lowdown. My name is Cheryl Xie and it's been a little while, life is busy and don't even get me started on COVID, but obviously we still have a super exciting episode today and we are trying something new. Fun fact, we've never had two guests on at the same time, but today we are going to change that. Throughout the episodes, we've stressed the importance of staying involved within the community, advocating for change, and having our voices heard. And today, we have two guests who are certainly no stranger to doing all those things. So you may have heard of Haroon Ali, who is the youngest city councillor candidate. He ran during last year's municipal elections for Ward Papasteo, and he used to be a student here at Lillian. Alongside, we have Aisha Irfan, a current grade 12 student who will also be joining us, and she was his policy director throughout the campaign. Today, they'll join us on the lowdown to talk about their experiences, municipal affairs, and why it is important to stay involved. Welcome, you two. Hello. It's so Thank great. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. I'm super excited for this episode. Um, and, you know, we'll just jump right in. So, Haroon, you were only 18 when you ran for councillor in Ward Papasteo. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about your campaign for those who don't know? So, a bit about the process, what went into it, and your platform? Yeah, uh, what's called, you know, I mean, it was a phenomenal experience. Uh, but well, for us as a campaign team, it, we really actually ended up actually starting out in a completely different ward. We started out in my in my actual my home ward, Ipico County POTC. Uh, called, one of the reasons why I ended up actually leaving my home turf essentially is that I'm I'm someone that fundamentally believes that I don't feel comfortable running against strong. I don't feel comfortable running against candidates that are minorities because at the end of the day, then we're really just shooting ourselves in the own hip. So what I end up doing is I end up moving to the university district uh, because once again I spend most of my time there already I'm a university student myself I spend lots of different times on campus I spend time actually working in the in the university district as well at Good Life Fitness so I really had a good grasp on the issues that the university was facing so I said why not uh, called at, so at 17 actually I was I remember this day I was actually very eager I my dad drove me to Century Park I hopped onto the train went down to Churchill Station and submitted my papers you know what I mean and I'll be honest it was one of the most awkward awkward things in my life because I remember going up to City Hall and they were asking me, are you looking for your parents? When I was actually going to submit my city council paper. So it was a very funny experience. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, mean, I, I was really, really, really excited. You know what I mean? And even today, as I'm finishing up our financial statements to submit to the city, I'm still really excited about the direction our city is going in. You know what I mean? And once again, for me as a city council candidate, our platform at the beginning was a little different, and I think this kind of starts out for a lot of city council candidates. When we're developing the platform, a lot of folks, what they try to do is they try to think, and this is something that Michael Jans would say a lot, is that rather than actually growing the pot, what they look at doing is that they look at, they look at trying to basically cost-save money. And something I've realized throughout my city council campaign, and I actually even have a budget on my desk here, is that it's impossible to cost-save yourself out of debt. It's impossible to save yourself out of, like, and even for poverty, too, same thing. You can't budget yourself out of poverty. So, really, that's something the city needs to understand. So, our policy was super, super influenced by lots of different people, especially by our policy director. We worked on different things like housing, which is something I really fundamentally believe as someone that grew up in public housing, to make sure that we have good, accessible public housing for everyone. We looked at public transit as well. I'm a user of public transit. I don't drive. 
You know what I mean? I'm, I, our policy director also doesn't drive. So, and a lot of, actually, ironically, a lot of our campaign staff didn't drive. So one of the biggest things is that for a lot of us, public transit made a lot of good sense to make it free. We also looked at policing too. You know what I mean? For me, as a black man, as our team, to my majority uh, BIPOC students as well, we really wanted to make sure that people felt safe interacting with the police and that we had good, adequate services as well for everyone. Lastly, we also focused on climate change, which is super, super important because once again, we're all pretty young in this room, so it's all going to affect us. So we got to make sure that we're actually taking steps towards reducing our emissions and making sure the city is a climate leader. 100%. And yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was really the campaign. Yeah, 100%. I definitely um, think you have a really well-developed platform. And, you know, Aisha, this is where your role kind of came in, right? You were Haroon's policy director. Um, so what did that role include? And how did you get comfortable and familiar with policy? So thank you, Cheryl, for that question. So I'm the policy director that can't drive. Um, the role itself could be divided up into three sections. So there was the research portion, the writing section, and last but not least, the most important factor, the engagement and outreach section. Stemming into the second portion of your question, dividing the role up like this allowed me to truly get comfortable with policy and all of its various intersectionalities. At the start of the campaign, I had a very, very narrow-minded idea of what policy looked like. To me, um, it was it was a bunch of words written on a document that I guess had some sort of impact on our lives. Please note that the guess that I just said was with sarcasm. Just wanted to make sure that nobody <laughs> thinks that I'm actually serious about that. But um, it was through researching certain municipal policies and bylaws that I realized that policy is extremely intricate and it's quite often made unaccessible. I found that familiarizing myself with the jargon really helped with identifying what certain phrases meant. This was a municipal election. Therefore, I found educating myself on history, I'm a huge history fanatic, really helped with learning how certain responses or what certain actions were done from previous counselors and how the city reacted really helped with my insight towards policy and when writing these um, uh, these policies down on the website as well. My history teacher says that history doesn't repeat itself, but it can definitely rhyme. And I think that learning about what city's actions um, previously towards certain policies have been um, policy-wise has been really helpful with getting comfortable in the role and to actually ensure that the stuff that I was writing down or the engagement that I was doing was being done through the lens, through an ethical sense of framework. But yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, you're obviously only like a grade 12 student, I believe. And, um, you know, when during the campaign process, you were only in grade 11. So an incredibly young age to be a policy director. And you've, you know, proven to be like super knowledgeable in the area. And um, definitely, you know, the experience probably helped you to learn a lot more about the municipal affairs and the city that you live in. And, you know, Haroon, earlier you were talking a bit about your platform and you mentioned things like housing and climate change. Um, so let's take some time to talk about climate change in particular. Um, Haroon, why do you think that it was so important to have so much of your campaign focused on climate change? And how do you think youth in particular bring a unique perspective to it? Yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, one of the bigger problems that we have, and once again, is that, and once again, please don't take, don't take offense to this, is that more so the problem is that there's a moral sense of urgency for a lot of younger people because they're the ones that are actually going to be affected by it. So this past summer, for example, you know what I mean, where it was scalding hot. I remember pounding the pavement, knocking on doors, 
like, and I remember too when I first started door knocking, I had this insane idea to do it in the suit because I already looked so young. So I remember coming home after my first day of door knocking, completely soaked. It 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 was the worst day of my life. I remember, but at the end of the day, you know, what I mean, look. Climate change is going to affect a lot of us, but the reality is that it's going to affect youth more than anyone. And the reality is what we need to really do is we need to look at this from a policy aspect, is that the reality is that we need municipal leaders, we need provincial leaders, we need federal leaders that are young, that are ready to tackle this problem. Because at the end of the day, if we don't tackle this problem, we're going to have serious, serious, serious consequences in the next couple of years. So... We took this with very serious importance. That's one of the reasons why, you know, I mean, with the policy director, we had we held several different uh, mini sessions of consultations where we met young, we we met uh, youth. We also met a lot of folks at the campaign office as well, and we really wanted to make sure that we were actively taking steps to make sure that we were being inclusive with how we formatted our policy around climate change, and yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and Aisha, since you're the policy director, do you want to add a little bit uh, more onto why you think climate change is such an important issue and maybe um, policy-wise how you tackled it? Yeah, sure. So I'm going to kind of address the question into two mm-hmm. sections. But when it comes to combating the climate crisis, to me, it could be defined through education and, like you said, changes in policy. Personally, it meant informing the city on what the reality of our environment looked like. Um, <laughs> like last week, it was raining in January. Cheryl, I don't know about you, but I've never seen it rain here in January. I know. It means accepting. Yeah. It was crazy. It means accepting that this is the reality that we live in. And then changing some of the habits as a city through either policies or bylaws. And this is where I can expand on. As youth, I believe that we should have a say in the world that we have to live in for the next sum of our lives, like Karun said. I think that um, this is the perspective that we need to bring because right now, as someone who's young, I'm not thinking about myself in the present, but rather how to navigate um, the crisis itself so it doesn't worsen for the future, not the present, even though it is very much affecting us right now as well. I understand it's a bit of a selfish reason however i think when it comes to climate change the youth narrative is what's pushing the decisions by government and forces such as the un so when it comes to implementing it policy-wise i think having that narrative within those policy discussions or within those legislations being drafted is so crucial because we don't only provide the narrative for the present but for the future as well yes totally i i agree i think Honestly, one of the the most unique things about the youth perspective is, you know, not only that this issue is going to affect them, but, you know, a lot of the solutions that youth propose hold, you know, like a creative aspect to it. And I think um, that's like a really unique perspective that youth bring to the table, of course. Um, And then Haroon, you also talked a bit about housing in your platform. And of course, the housing crisis has been relevant for a long, long, long time. Um, And you reached, um, did you reach out to people affected by the housing crisis? And how did this shape the actions that you took? Yeah, so actually a little known fact about me is I, I was raised in public housing. I would call so what's called I I know a lot of the I, I knew a lot of folks that were in that in that area as well. And I know a lot of the struggles that a lot of folks are facing, especially when it came to capital reaching housing, when it came to what's called derelict housing, when it came to port maintenance. These were systemic issues for a lot of families, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day we we, we I tried my best to have lots of consultations with a lot of folks that are in predominantly communities where capital housing reaching was existing. 
Uh, we, we, some of the neighborhoods we really looked at was Royal Gardens and Duggan, where we actually got a, a ton of support. I'm pretty sure in that neighborhood alone, I'm not mistaken, in that poll, I think we came second. So I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that. But, you know, I mean, like, I think at the end of the day, we, tried to, we, we did a really good job when it came to consultation, when it came to consulting with folks in the area, seeing how we can actually make sure that we can do better on the housing crisis. Another thing we really focused on as a campaign team is housing on White Ave. The biggest problem that we have, you know, I mean, even for a lot of us coming to the campaign office is that we would regularly, even me, I remember, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, whenever I would lock up the campaign, because I was a campaign manager, whenever I would lock up the campaign office and go home, you know, I mean, I was bewildered at the amount of folks that were actually sleeping on our streets in Edmonton. It is a massive epidemic. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we have financial resources that are available to deal with this. But no one's taking the steps to deal with it. So it was really super disappointing for me. So this policy and this housing, uh, the housing policy, you know what I mean? It was something that I really worked on with Aisha a lot. You know what I mean? And once again, uh, she really had to keep me grounded. I am someone that thinks into the moon. So, you know what I mean? She kept me really grounded. And, I, and at the end of the day, too, you know what I mean? Like, we really looked at different ways to make sure that we're housing people. And at the end, we actually came up with, we, we were the only campaign in Edmonton that actually came out with a public housing guarantee. One of the things behind the public housing guarantee is that this is something that's commonly done across Europe, is where the government actually secures public housing and makes it the majority stakeholder. The problem that we have now is that we have too many privately owned houses. And once again, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, don't get me wrong. I'm saying that if the government regulates this and controls this, we can get better quality deals for everyone. And at the same time, too, we can make sure that we're investing money into repairs, and we can make sure that no one's living in derelict properties. Yeah, for sure. And Aisha, do you have anything to add to this? Sure. Um, feel free to like stop me if I take too long. Because no, um, no. this is something that I am passionate about. And like Haroon said, we both had a bit of insight towards this. But for me, combating the housing crisis means implementing accessibility through the lens of policy. It means establishing a framework or funding organizations that specialize in assisting with housing. To me, it's always been about providing funding to sectors that truly need it, such as the many organizations that we have seen in the city doing such great work. But because of that lack of resources, they're not seeing the product of their efforts. And um, I think throughout the policy process for drafting this um, policy itself, one of the things that was really, really important, like Haroon said, was reaching out to organizations and gathering that ground zero perspective was extremely critical in the process as um, we both agreed that the policies that we were putting onto the campaign had to be shaped by those who had affected or impacted the most, which is something that, which is something that surprisingly most systems don't actually account for. So having that lens of accountability and ensuring that the work that we were putting out um, had that informed perspective to it and that perspective was being shaped by those who had impacted that much them the most was crucial to begin with because we can have our own ideas and we can have our own perspectives but it's not doing anything if we're not hearing it from those who it impacts the most and I've said that sentence about three times now but um that would be my take on it yeah totally I mean you know you say you said that sentence a bunch but I think it's like obviously a very important thing to um thing to address over and over if you're talking about you know municipal engagement with um, these important issues and to actually talk with the people who are affected I think you know lots of times in advocacy we're 
we're so quick to, you know, speak up for certain people without actually having the conversations with them and understanding their needs and what they're coming, where they're coming from. So I think, um, you know, this approach that you guys have and actually really understanding the issue and interacting with the people uh, who are involved is, is really important and re um, really great. And, you know, um, you guys are both very young people who bring a very fresh perspective to the table and you kind of apply this throughout your whole campaign as it was fairly youth focused and you have a team with many youth members. So um, Haroon, uh, why do you think it is important for youth to participate in government and how do you think they're going to drive forward the vision of Edmonton? Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, look, students are going to become one of the largest voting blocks in the next couple of years. So the reality is that we really need to use this power to actually make sure that we're making a society that's better for us, better for our kids, and better for future generations down the road. Because the reality is that, unfortunately, past governments have made mistakes when it comes to certain handling different things. Whether it comes to uh, whether it comes to the climate crisis, whether it comes to uh, public housing, whether it comes to policing, whether it comes to how we put transit. You know what I mean? There's been several mistakes that past governments have made, unfortunately. But the reality is that we have to fix these problems now. You know, I mean, it's kind of we 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 were built bad cards essentially, and unfortunately, we can't go back and change it. So we need to get people involved in governance. The problem that we're seeing right now, and especially even if we look at different student unions, you know, what I mean, like, is that people aren't running, people aren't getting involved, and that's a problem because if we don't have people running in the real world, that's problematic. Because something I've always said is that the more people that are running in an election, the better ideas are. You know what I mean? Like, with me, Michael Kirsten, uh, Tarsi, uh, Byron, and Susan all running in that district, and, and James, too, sorry, I don't want to leave James out. Uh, I really, we, we were really able to give Papasay voters a tough time at choosing, but that's good. We all shouldn't be block voting against one candidate. So really making sure that you are getting involved. Heading, even if you tend to, even if you read the platforms the night before, do it. Don't just go to the poll and randomly vote. You know what I mean? Like, you would be surprised how many youth told me that, yeah, I saw your name and voted for you. Not even looking at what I was talking about. So once again, please get involved, but also make sure when you get involved that you do your research, that you take the couple of minutes, that you look around, see what's best for you and what's best for your family. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that's Again, something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, how important it is um, to stay involved. I think sometimes people forget how much power they have as an individual, even if um, even if they're just youth. And um, I think, you know, if we can fully realize that power, obviously we have um, the capacity to evoke a lot of change. And Aisha, Aisha, do you want to add to that question, too? Yeah, sure. Of course. So this is a great question. And I have a tiny story that kind of goes with this. So I've grown up wanting to have a career in law. I want to be a lawyer in the future. Um, my intent with this career in mind is to help change some of our internal systems. However, the thought of doing that in 10 years would lead to the thought of like, Aisha, that's literally in 10 years, 10 whole years, what are we doing here? So the policies that are being made now don't affect you later. They don't affect you later in 10 years. Maybe they will in the future, but they affect you now. So I decided to dip my feet into more of a political atmosphere to see if I, if I can kind of help drive or push change forward now instead of 10 years down the line. I think it's so critical for youth to mobilize and push for more um, youth narratives within our government as well.
we should have a say in policies that directly affect our future. And this starts with getting involved, whether that be um, volunteering at an organization that aligns with your views or like, I know we have a provincial election that's going to be coming up sometime soon, getting involved in the campaign process, um, finding ways to insert yourself in spaces that are not typically designed for youth presence. Um, I think it's super crucial and important to have those narratives out there and to more than ever now push on those narratives as well. But yeah. Mm, yeah. And, you know, you just talked about like kind of reaching out and dipping your feet in the atmosphere of politics. Right. And so I just wanted to follow up and ask, like, how did in school opportunities foster your interest and passion for politics as well as community engagement? Sure. So one of the um, one of my in school, one of my most favorite in school opportunities has have to been speech and debate. I met my favorite teacher in speech and debate in that class. I met my best friend in that class. And this may sound exaggerative, but I changed my intent or my goals for myself through that class. And um, my teacher, Miss Pui, her belief in me, she was a phenomenal teacher. I know speaking isn't everyone's thing, but um, it sometimes is mine and sometimes isn't. However, being able to debate on different sides of an argument really showed me how important it is to actually know what you're talking about, surprisingly. Um, if there are any speech and debate kids listening right now, I know you guys are laughing because research is not prioritized a lot sometimes, but by the way that my teacher structured the class, it forced me to actually speak facts and not just rely on a persuasive voice. I spent the first two weeks thinking that if I can um, say something with the right voice or the right tone and I can make it sound truthful, like for example, did you know that peanut butter is actually made out of almonds? It, it's not, but I, she quickly changed that perspective and made us actually perform or present informed perspectives. So I wasn't just saying stuff that wasn't true with a persuasive voice. I was actually doing the research behind that. Yeah, you're talking about um, speech and debate, and I can definitely relate to that because um, I myself, I've been debating for, I think, like five years now. And, you know, that kind of hit home for me because I think debate was the thing that kind of empowered me to actually use my voice. And I was able to like gain confidence in my voice. And I think without it, um, I probably, I honestly don't think I would be involved uh, involved within, you know, different like community affairs or um, municipal, provincial politics, um, et cetera, if I, if I hadn't discovered that at a young age. And I think um, that was really important for me. I mean, today, my debate commitment is, you know, maybe not as high as it used to be. But of course, I acknowledge all the different skills that I learned from debate, all the different lessons that I learned. Um, and I think like having that ability to voice your opinion um, and talk about what's important without, you know, without fear is, is really important and something that also empowered me to um, speak out and use my voice. Um, Haroon, did you have any sort of school opportunities that stood out for you? Yeah, I was ironically actually, like you and I, I would like, like the both of you, I was actually involved in debate and speech as well. You know what I mean? Once again, debate and speech is a phenomenal experience to get involved in politics. You get to learn so much about how to use different debate techniques. You get to learn about how to really take advantage of speech and how to be really efficient with that as well. So it's something that's really, really good. And I really enjoyed it. I also really enjoyed, you know what I mean? For me, I didn't have the best experience, but I really enjoyed football. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, 
it's really, really important to be active. It's really important for people to actually get something, to, like, to feel like they're doing something. So I really did enjoy that, too. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I think sports is kind of some can sometimes be overlooked as like a really important step in, you know, maybe feeling involved in the community. I think one of the times that I felt most connected to my community is through, you know, playing soccer and being like connected through these like similar interests. So I totally understand that as well. And you know, you both do a lot of community work, right? So whether it's campaigning, sharing your vision for Edmonton, or doing other volunteer work, um, there's obviously going to be some struggles and obstacles that you face. Now, Haroon, when we first talked, you mentioned your experience with racism during your campaign, and you've been pretty open with speaking about your experiences. Do you want to tell us a bit about that experience and particularly how you were able to handle or process it? Yeah, uh, you know what I mean? For me, what's going on at the end of the day, I, I never, and this is something that my campaign team didn't really like. <laughs> I would say, but at the end of the day, I I really didn't take these situations, like, I don't really take these situations to heart because the reality is a lot of these folks are coming from a misguided perception that either was put on them by their parents. And one thing, it's an unfortunate reality, but the reality is that we can stop this chain if we actually start calling out this behavior. You know what I mean? And, and that's one of the reasons why I was really committed to making sure that if something happened, I called that out immediately saying that that's blatant racism. Because at the end of the day, even if they didn't mean to do it, now you're actually making them conscious about it, which lessens the chance they're actually going to do it again. Because the reality is there's so many different things that happen every day that are systemically racist that we unfortunately don't call out. So people never actually correct it. People never actually look at it and be like, why don't we fix it? So if we can actually do that, I think we can actually create a better society for everyone. Yeah. Aisha, do you have some, you know, personal insight to add on this too? Yeah, of course. So basically agreeing with what Haroon just said, um, I know that for a fact, personally on the campaign trail, I had to witness a lot as a person of color, whether, whether that be slurs or in the form of microaggressions, which is not okay. But Quite ironically, it was definitely a moment of reflection for myself of how um, not everyone will agree with certain things or not everybody will agree with certain movements or certain perspectives. Um, it's not okay to be racist. It's not. But I had to come to terms with the fact that this is how some things will just be. And there's nothing that I can do more about it than just call them out for it, um, which is it's a sad reality, but it's one that I had to naively kind of accept mm -hmm, yeah and I guess um I'll, I'll extend this a little bit more and you know you were talking early um the first time we talked about your struggle in dealing with a lot of unpaid emotional labor um and I think dealing with racism is actually part of that of course um do you want to tell us a bit about how you handle those feelings Sure. So during the campaign trail there were a lot of situations where both Haroon and I couldn't really grasp the narrative or in this case, change it, because that would mean changing our ethnicities. Um, some <laughs> some community members were um, hopeful and ecstatic because a young Black Muslim candidate was running. And some were, let's say, not so ecstatic, if I put it so um, unblatantly. Furthermore, one of the things that served as a lesson learned kind of moment is that there is politics behind everything. Surprisingly, even the most basic of things. I couldn't wrap my hat I couldn't wrap my head around this and it 
truly did cause a lot of sleepless nights um, because there would be certain moments where I'd just be like, but can't we just talk? And I would be humbled really, really quickly by learning how complicated the entire system is. I walked into this role, if I'm being honest, um, with barely any physical practice of implementing policy, and I walked out of it knowing a lot more than I should. I think a way that I handled those feelings is acknowledging that this is a long, long journey and that in order for change to really happen, it has to be continuous. I see consolidation and at the same time sadness in this um, reality and this fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I understand like all those feelings that you guys are communicating. And, you know, especially when you're talking about facing racism, I think that's um, often a, a big obstacle that prevents a lot of um, people of color from participating in politics. And it's and it's such a shame because the world of politics needs more representation um, of people of color in order to, you know, make progress and actually ensure that the world is more equitable for people. Um, but like regardless of this, Aisha, you found so many ways to get involved in the community and apply your passions. So do you want to talk a bit about how you were able to get connected to these opportunities and what you did to seek them? Yeah, of course. So a bulk of the opportunities that I'm involved in would be because I'm amazing and fabulous. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. That's literally quite the farthest thing from the truth. But um, it's because of how annoying I am. No, seriously. I think um, personally, schools should be better equipped with uh, resources and organizations to garner students towards um, getting involved. But personally, being interested in policy and law, and this is where the annoying part comes back in, I would just spend hours on and emailing organizations that I thought aligned with myself and I liked a lot. And basically, I would sell myself to them. Like, here are the reasons why I think I'd be a good addition, point A, B, C, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Like, you won't be able to live without me type of stuff. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> some organizations like CYC or the City of Edmonton Youth Council, which Cheryl is also on, and I serve as the policy chair on required a application to be filled out, which is great because then they're basically asking you to sell yourself to them. Um, but <laughs> honestly, reaching out is such an underrated method of getting that job that you want or working with an organization. If you write a passionate of email, chances are they will want to work with they will want you to work with them. Um, teachers. Teachers are another great resources. Use your teachers. I can't stress this enough, but um, my speech and debate teacher, if I haven't mentioned it already, literally changed my life. Like she was one of the uh, she was the one who told me about a lot of these different resources existing. If you have a favorite one, bug them about opportunities. Um, they don't even have to be your favorite one. Teachers are very well equipped with what's going around in the world or even um, in Alberta or Edmonton. And I'm pretty sure they'll be able to provide you with some in- regarding certain opportunities and I'm more than sure that they'll be happy to assist you help or guide um, you on your future endeavors a hundred percent you know that that was a lot of really good advice you know to actually be bold and just you know pursue what you want to pursue and just be confident in doing it I think that's what you know some people feel a little bit unsure or insecure when they're pursuing new things maybe feelings that they might be judged but at the end of the day you know i think it's a really important lesson to every for everyone to learn to just honestly try to like be unafraid and courageous and just you know just go for it because there's not really that much you can lose right so haroon do you have any advice to offer about what youth can do to contribute to the community or what they can do to help fuel wanted change 
yeah, so as, as both of you are just talking right now, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that there are so many great opportunities for youth to get involved nowadays. You know, I mean, like, I, and once again, I'm not saying that, like, these are often, these are external things and uh, internal things when it comes to schools. We really should be looking at different ways to get students involved. You know, I mean, like, I'm sure, you know, I mean, like, at the end of the day, you know, I mean, if I had opportunities to join a policy group, even a political group, and once again, like, I'm not saying that because we have to keep nonpartisan, of course, but I'm saying if we can give students more opportunities to actually get involved in different things, I think phenomenal. And I think, you know, I mean, outside outside of school, you know, I mean, we have really great opportunities right now, you know, I mean, like, we have CYEC, we have the Minister's Youth Council for uh, Education, we have so many different great opportunities to actually get youth involved. The problem, though, is that I think I don't think a lot of youth actually know how to get involved. So one of the things I think schools should be looking at doing potentially is saying that maybe they create a master link of different things so youth can get involved in their hometown just to really get involved and change. But the good thing, too, is that there's so many opportunities where you get a change without even leaving your home nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, even, like, how we're doing this right now, you know what I mean? Like, one of the good things about Policy Act is that, unfortunately, she lived deep north, you know what I mean? So sometimes she would come out to the campaign office, but other times she would also work, work with us at home. So nowadays, especially with how we have advanced from COVID-19, it's really given a good opportunity for a lot of folks to actively get involved without, like, going so far outside their home. You can literally do things now from the comfort of your house. So... Get involved, you know. I mean, do something new, learn something, and learn a new skill. A hundred percent. That was really great insight from both of you, and I'm sure everyone can benefit from all that advice. And that really ends us off on a great note. And. Um, some really, again, great advice for how to get involved. Um, I want to thank you both for joining us today. It was such a pleasure and I'm super, 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 super excited for everyone to hear this episode. Thank you. That was such an amazing conversation and it brings us to the end of the episode. Of course, we couldn't have done this without our content producers, Mustafa Alam, Aaron Padbury, Sandy Illigan, and Carrie Liu, and our technical producer, Rina Liu. The music you heard today is thanks to Sandeep Singh, and of course, a big thank you to Mr. Ogurdiak and Mr. Baki. Make sure to tune in next time with me and Kashmala. I'm your host, Cheryl Xue, and just remember, be legendary. Be legendary.